Welcome to the Member Engagement Show, the podcast for association professionals, brought to you by Higher Logic. I'm your host, Kelly Whalen, and in each episode, we'll talk to guests whose expertise will help you gain new members, boost retention, and deepen member involvement, all goals that can transform your organization. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And visit us at higherlogic.com slash podcasts to catch the best of past episodes. Now, let's start the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Member Engagement Show. Today, I'm joined by Emily Stamm, who is HireLogic's Senior Sales Engineer. Emily has been working with HireLogic for six years, and for the majority of that time, she has been a strategic advisor for our customers, helping associations strategically improve their communication and community strategies to improve their member engagement. So I'm really excited to have Emily on the show. Welcome, Emily. Thanks, Kelly. I'm really excited to be here. Emily is going to be leading a session at HireLogic's annual Superforum conference in April on how to engage your members through mentoring and volunteering programs. So I thought this was a great opportunity to have her on to share some tips about mentoring and volunteering. So to get us started, Emily, can you share a little bit more about your background with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So as Kelly said, I was a strategic advisor at HireLogic for about four years almost. And during that time, I actually spent a lot of time with a few particular customers, specifically with their mentor and volunteer strategy. So thinking through and also talking to their members about what they're looking for and maybe what's missing in their experience overall, not just with the organization, but overall as a mentor, as a volunteer, even as someone that is being mentored. So I got a lot of really great insights from those interviews that I I will incorporate into what I talk about today. So I'm excited to just kind of talk through different ways because I think it is such an important part of an association being able to engage their members and let them get involved. Yeah, absolutely. So jumping off of that, how would you say mentoring and volunteering programs contribute to that overall engagement of members within an association? Yeah, I think that it allows for them to jump in and get involved with your organization. It allows for them to get closer with you. It also allows for them to engage with their peers in different ways. In When I was doing a lot of research for strategic services for the different customers that I worked with, we talked a lot about the organization's jobs to be done and the members' jobs to be done. So some things that I found really interesting about the members' jobs to be done is there's this one that's kind of not talked about as much, but it's that sense of belonging and also that sense of feeling recognized by the organization and by their peers. And I feel that volunteer programs, mentoring programs, really give that to that person. So they're volunteering for you. You're able to recognize them. They're a mentor. You're able to show that they're an expert to other people, and you're able to give them that recognition, that feeling of, you know, I know what I'm doing. So I think that that's a big piece of building a program and for volunteers and mentoring that allows for someone to feel more engaged because some of their needs are being met. They're getting some of that job that... They need to get done. And it's not a technical job. It's more of that emotional job that they would like to accomplish. I I think that resonates a lot with my experience in associations where a lot of the folks that are part of an association, they've joined that association because they care about the industry that they work in. And 
by offering either a volunteering or mentoring program or both, you're creating these opportunities for those folks that are passionate about that industry to give back to the industry. Not to mention for some folks, it's an opportunity to stand out in their career. So for example, my association had most of our speakers for webinars and for conferences were volunteers. Maybe they got a slight discount for the conference in some cases, but in many cases, they were just volunteering their time, both because they cared about sharing best practices with their peers, but also because then they have that they can put that on their resume. They can say, I was a presenter at this conference, or I did this webinar, or I am part of a committee that you know works on these issues that are really important to the industry. So I feel like you said it kind of fulfills that emotional component. It can also be a career growth opportunity for the members. So they become more and more attached to your association because they're getting a variety of different needs met in that way. Yeah. And it also kind of leads into that. I've always said there needs to be that what's in it for me for the member. So if they're doing something for you, such as volunteering and helping you out with some content or managing something, or again, mentoring someone, they're still getting something back in return. So sometimes it could be those benefits of I'm getting a discount because I'm doing this. But also, again, it's just that opportunity to be seen and to be more involved and to really build some connections. I think that's another important part is you're building your community within, you're building your community of generally when you're talking about like mentors, you're talking about experts, but there's also opportunities for them to learn new skills. And the same goes for your volunteer and the volunteer programs, you're offering experiences, but also opportunities, as you were saying, Kelly, to grow in something like your career, but also just to grow within the industry. Yeah, that's a great call out. And it also made me think of, I think a lot of associations are worried about bringing that next generation into the association to just make sure the association continues to be relevant and has members. And I think mentoring programs in particular are this opportunity to do that, to bring early career professionals in and say, hey, we have resources for you. You can learn from other people in this field through this mentoring program. So I think that's another component of the value that mentoring programs can provide for associations, for sure. Absolutely. And it it engages different groups on two different ends of the spectrum. So you might have some of those people that might be good mentors that are maybe growing out of your association. Maybe they've retired, but you can still engage with them and you can keep that historical knowledge that they have to share with the younger generation people that are looking to move up to where that person got to. So I think it's an opportunity really to make sure that everyone, no matter where they are in their career, no matter how long they've been a part of your association, can be part of it and can find value. Yeah. So what would you say are some of the key strategies for creating a successful mentoring program or volunteering program within an association? Yeah, I would say that one of the first things to think about is really what those different opportunities or what that's going to look like. So taking different sources of insights that you've gathered. So that could be through a survey for your members, thinking about, you know, what you've noticed in terms of your members and what they're looking for. Look at the demographics. So looking at all different areas to really think about how can we make this a meaningful program and also how can we make this meet our organizational needs, as well as the needs of our members or people that are going to participate. What can we do to make this more valuable? I think that that's one of the key things is to look at all those different elements, your goals, their goals, data that you've collected, insights that you've collected, things that you know about what's going on in the industry, and put that into 
What can we offer? I always also like to step back and say that might seem like a lot. So even just starting at a baseline, it's something new that you can offer if you don't have it. Or if you do have one, maybe it's something, a new thing that you can start to promote or really start to look at what what you've done in the past and are there things that have been really successful? Are there some new things that you can add? So I think that looking at all those different insights, but also just knowing that having something new, a new program, a new offering that can bring value to your members and allow for them to get more involved and hopefully help you take some something off your plate that maybe is taking your team, no matter how big it is, a long time that a volunteer could do and would, would be happy to do. I think it's something that's really important when you're thinking about how do I build this program? How do I make it successful? Use different inputs and also you know, think about those different jobs or different goals that people have. Yeah, I think at my association, for example, one of our challenges was kind of generating content because obviously the association staff, we weren't experts in the field that we represented. So I'm a marketing person. I'm not a research ethics person. So one of the things that we ended up doing was creating a blog squad so that we could have some of the members contribute in a volunteer capacity to the blog content that we wanted to create because obviously we wanted to create this kind of approachable, relatable pieces of information and share those on our blog, but we were not the people to necessarily write that. So we were able to, like you said, we had a need, the organization had a need to be able to share best practices and ideas or just thought provoking things about what our members were working on. And then the members had this opportunity to again, have their authorship of these posts about things in their industry so that when they were in their job or looking for a new job, they could say, well, I've been tapped here on this, you know, industry blog to talk about this topic because I'm an expert on it. So that was really cool. And and it ended up being, we even had a blog squad for our annual conference where we would do like, again, a discounted registration so that people could come to the conference and then recap some of the sessions they went to. And that ended up kind of generating the majority of the content we needed for the year, which was awesome because it highlighted our conference. It made the conference more accessible because people who might not be able to afford it could apply for the blog squad and then get free registration. And then they had a series of blog posts that they wrote about stuff that they were learning in their industry, which was awesome. I love that. And I I love that you call it the blog squad. I I thought that would be a great t-shirt. I would love to have that. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And I I always love hearing that. We had a badge. We had a little like on-site badge. And then we ended up, this is actually another great thing about, I feel like having an online community. We ended up creating a ribbon or a badge in the community so that the blog squad could be recognized in our online community as well. So that people could see like, oh, look, look, you know, Kelly Whalen's on the blog squad for this conference. And then they could, you know, touch base with that person and say, well, did you like that experience? Would you do it again? And, And then they might pass that information along. Yeah, I mean, I love so many things about what you just said and something so many things about what your organization did, because, again, you're doing so many of those things to make sure that they're getting that recognition. They're getting, you know, they have those little touches, which are they go a long way with members. Um, a lot of people would say, oh, it's just a badge. But for some people, that's something that they really wear with pride. The other side of that is what, exactly what you just said, like them passing along that message. So because they have great content that they can share with other people, they also can talk about their experience with your organization, being able to share their expertise. 
they're able to talk with their network about how they can get involved. So that's an opportunity for you maybe to acquire a new member, but also acquire a new expert, acquire someone that wants to volunteer. And what you said about your online community that you all had, you know, that leads into my next point of thinking about the technology that you're using to help you be able to manage and communicate and do all the different things that go into having a volunteer program or having a mentor program. You know, it is important to have a technology, no matter what it is, that's going to help you you make your team's job easier and also provide a great member experience because there are components of communication that need to happen to help facilitate what the volunteers need to do. What are the expectations of a mentor? And a lot of times when you don't have a tool or some technology to help you with that, that's a lot of Zoom calls. It's a lot of emails back and forth. So finding something that can help you, whether that's a community or whatever that might be for your organization, finding something where you can do those things, where you can find a place to easily communicate, where you can share that webinar or training session that you did so that when new volunteers come, you don't have to redo it. So it's also thinking about your staff's time and thinking about how can I really maximize? I've created this program. How can I get the opportunities out? How can I communicate those expectations? And how can I also gather some feedback and insight in real time from others that are part of our community, that are part of our industry? So an online community is a great way to do that. And then also finding a way to use things that you know. So having a, if, whether it's in your online community, whether it's in your database, maybe you, there's a formalized mentor volunteer module or program that you can use a technology for that. Being able to have that list, being able to see what people know so that you can tap people on the shoulders. So that's one thing that you can reach out to them proactively and say, hey, we're having this opportunity come up. I think you'd be a great fit. And then on the flip side of that, also providing a space where people can self-nominate or can nominate others. So that might be an opportunity for you to engage people that you had no idea had any interest or didn't realize that they knew so much about something or would be a great fit. So giving them the opportunity to raise their hand can also save you and your organization a ton of time of having to go out and find those people or of you having to use the same people over and over again. It gives an opportunity for those opportunities to be more seen and more opportunity for you to diversify who is coming in and who is a part of those opportunities. Yeah, a, a lot of what you said resonates completely with my experience because I feel like, you know, our blog squad was really successful, but there were other things where we felt a little more challenged or had a little bit harder of a time. And now that I work with Higher Logic and I have the opportunity to talk with more associations, like I've learned so much from what other associations are doing. There's several customers that I've talked to that use their online community to facilitate their committee meetings. So like if they have board committees or they have a membership committee or they have a young professionals committee, they run the committee through their community so that instead of having a series of ton of different emails and a bunch of different files that they have to be emailing back and forth with people, they use the community library to capture the history of that committee and capture meeting minutes and keep all the resources and things that they need for those committees in their community. And that I remember when someone said that, I was like, why didn't we think of that? That would be so cool. And the same thing with mentoring. Our mentoring program, I know from my friends in the membership department was kind of a challenge to maintain without the technology because it was kind of a series of spreadsheets where we would try to keep track of who's a mentor, who's a mentee, who have they worked with before? Are they still willing to work with someone else again? What kind of mentoring opportunities are they looking for? And I know for organizations that kind of use, for example, HireLogic's mentor match, you don't have to have all those spreadsheets. You have this system that's built to help track mentors and like help people self-service themselves to find mentors or mentees. And I definitely think 
think that makes a huge difference because then instead of having a series of spreadsheets that every time a staff member leaves or something, everybody's like, where are all those spreadsheets? Like, what? how are they tracking this? You just have a system that's built to do it. And I think that just saves so much time. It does. And it, as you said, that that historical knowledge of what was going on with this project or on this committee, who were our past mentors, who are our past mentees that maybe are now ready to be mentors. They're further along in their career. They've gained a lot of expertise. Maybe they've been a part of some of our webinars or something along those lines. Having all that information centralized makes it so easy, not only for your current team, but let's say, again, someone new comes in they can easily pick up where someone left off versus having to spend a lot of time with other people on your staff getting caught up. They can go to the community or it's same for committee members. They can go to that community and they can see what's previously been discussed and just jump right in at the right point. I think that another point that you made that was great was just that self-service element. So self-service of being able to go in and pick your own mentor or your own mentee and reach out is something that I really love about what we do with our with our mentor match program. But also, again, for the visibility of volunteers, being able to self-service and go pick volunteer opportunities, but also be invited to some based on the fact that we know that you'd be a good fit. So it allows for, again, both groups to be able to get their jobs done and hopefully in a more streamlined way and a way that is more efficient. Uh, so your team can focus on maybe the more programmatic elements versus just the basic setup of it all. And it can evolve over time. Yeah, I think as you were talking, I was also thinking about a point you made a little bit back about spreading out who gets involved, because I think that can be a challenge too for associations. Like you have the hand raisers that you talk to all the time or that you've worked with before and you know this person's a great speaker or they know a lot about XYZ, but you can kind of get into a habit of like always tapping the same people because you know they're great. And then you miss out on all these other people that may be great, but you just your association staff don't know them yet. So I think by having a system that gives you a little more information and having like a digital platform where you can kind of tell, oh, this person has flagged that they're interested in these things, or they can, like you said, self-service and say, I'm, <laughs> I want to do this. I just think that it makes it a lot more transparent and, and accessible across your organization so that it's not always just those same people that maybe are a little more vocal. It's this opportunity to loop in a wider group of your membership and not just always tap those same individuals. Yeah, because you also don't want to burn out those individuals. Right. You don't want to ask them for too much. And the other side of that is how other people are perceiving and engaging. You don't right. want them to tune out because they're hearing the same voices. So being able to diversify the voices can also help you widen the audience that you're engaging because you start to kind of zone out occasionally if you're hearing the same person over and over. So adding in some new voices, adding in some new insights, I think is also so important. And it gives you opportunities to freshen up your content, freshen up, you know, your program and really to start to re-engage. So that's another thing. Even if you have a program today, you know, thinking about some of the things that we talk about today of opening up these opportunities and maybe not just calling the same people, getting some of that feedback will allow for you to add some new energy behind it, some new audience engagement and really start to be able to position this and push it out as we heard what you said. We know what's going on in the industry. Here's what we're doing to address or to be on top of that, to make an impact. So I think that's another important component of it is just being able to have those different voices and get those different insights. Yeah, 
That makes a lot of sense. I feel like we naturally <laughs> led into what was going to be my next question was about how digital platforms influence the landscape of mentoring and volunteering programs and associations. So I wonder, again, I think we naturally started talking about this because we both have experience using online communities, digital tools to facilitate mentoring and volunteering programs. But would you say anything else comes to mind in terms of kind of how digital platforms have influenced these types of programs? Absolutely. I think that they've helped in many ways, like again, with efficiency, more visibility, all those things. And the past three, five years, like digital has been really how people have connected. So that's really how that community has stayed engaged is through digital platforms. The one thing that I will say that's kind of like the devil's advocate or the other side of that is sometimes it can be overwhelming or too much. So, you know, a lot of times during I hate to use the word COVID, but, you know, during that time, people were rapidly acquiring new technology to help them with things that they used to do in person. So sometimes that also can lead to having too many places for your team to manage or for your members to engage in. It might be a really good time to review and edit what you're doing, or even just think about now that we've had this technology for a while, what are those lessons learned? What's that feedback that we've gotten about these different platforms and how can we make it really seamless moving forward? So whether that, again, is editing your technology and and consolidating, or if it just is looking at what you have and saying, what can we create to be able to make this more accessible for everyone or for a larger audience? What have we learned and how can we how can we make our lessons learned and turn those into actions with our technology? So because again, technology is it's so powerful and so important in the current times to be able to do all the different things that associations want to be able to do with their members and have it be engaging. But sometimes it really is just about looking at how do we make that accessible? How do we make it really easy? The other thing, and I think, Kelly, we talked about this is, and this is something I learned in the interviews I did, there's a huge opportunity to create spaces in online communities or you know, in those digital spaces for people to learn how to be better at not just the specific opportunity or specific area that they're an expert in, but how to be a good volunteer how to be a good mentor, how to combat those issues that pop up just about building relationships. That can be challenging for a mentor or the person that's being mentored, that mentee. How do I connect with my mentor? How do I get them to respond to me when they're not responding? It gives them spaces where they can learn and grow those skills that can be maybe used even in other places in their lives. But also it gives associations insight into what people are struggling with, maybe with their programs or just in general, and gives you all the opportunity to be thought leaders and add more value to that experience for your volunteers and for your mentors. Yeah, there's two things about what you just said that immediately like unlocked core memories from my association work. One was that I think we often as an association focused on a specific professional field, we were focused on these very technical skills of like what people were doing in that field. And one thing that sometimes we got requests from our members was for more of those like soft skills support because they were looking for that, like how to communicate better or how to have more efficient meetings or things like that. And so what you just said about, you know, having those resources for the mentoring opportunities, I think is really valuable that you're then not just supporting those specific like best practices in the field of what someone does, but also just best practices for working with other human beings, which 
Which, especially with so many people moving to remote, I think if you created a resource for your mentoring program that was like how to have a really good virtual one-on-one, like how to keep it on track, how to like build rapport with someone when you don't get to meet with them in person, that extends the value of that resource extends beyond just that mentoring one-on-one relationship that preps someone to potentially be a better manager if they manage other staff or to have better meetings with their colleagues in another organization if they're like organizing a conference. So I think that's really important. And then the other thing you talked about, about doing a strategic review of your technology tools made me think of our last episode of the podcast with Martha Jack. She was talking a lot about, you know, if you have different tools, how do you design them in such a way if you have a different community and a website and a job board or something like that? Maybe you need to consolidate them. So maybe you say like, well, I have a separate job board now, but I could loop the job board into our community like HireLogic Thrive Jobs does. Or maybe you say, I just need to make sure these all match. Like, I just need to make sure all of these sites that I have all like our organization, that they all have our brand and our logo and our colors and that the buttons are designed the same. And I think that makes a huge difference too. Like a huge thing for my association was when we relaunched our website, we implemented single sign-on for several of our tools. We weren't, unfortunately, we were not able to do it for all of them because of some technical challenges. But the ones that we were able to do it for that reduced so many questions from members because previously we had like, again, a community login, our website login, and then a job board login. And those were all different for our members, which was so confusing to them because if they didn't set them up to be the same username and password, then they would try to log into one with their other username and password. And they were like, isn't this still my membership? Why can't I get in? And we'd have to explain, actually, we have these on separate systems. So if you set up a different login, then they're different. And people used to be really frustrated about that, understandably. But for us, we were like, well, we kind of want to have, we want to be able to offer all these things and we're using different tools. So we did, in some cases, consolidate things. And in other cases, like I said, we implemented a single sign-on and that made a huge impact for the members, really feeling like they weren't going between different tools to access all their member benefits. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, now so much more of the engagement happens digitally that thinking about that experience is really important right now. And I, I like what you said, you know, you brought up the how you all use single sign on. So I always talk about thinking about integration and incorporation. So the ideal state is probably that the tools are integrated. They have that single sign on and maybe they share some data so that everything about my experience can be personalized. That's ideal state. The reality is it's not, not everything can be integrated to that level. So even what Martha talked about in the previous podcast of being able to incorporate those elements that help someone get to the next place and help them understand that they're still engaging with the same brand, same association is really valuable in creating that more meaningful and what seems like an easier experience for your users. So, I mean, I think that what you just said and what your organization did is exactly where a lot of associations kind of are today, which is we have all these different pieces. Now we need to bring them together so that we can create that cohesive experience. I think that another thing that you talked about was the soft skills and just, you know, those are so important and often forgotten when you're working at an association or with a bunch of experts because you're so focused in on those things that they're experts on, what's going on in the industry, that sometimes that those soft skills of how to connect with people, how to have a great experience with talking about those things, their expertise is so valuable. So that's also an opportunity where maybe someone that is an expert 
could benefit from actually being mentored by someone else on some of those soft skills. Or we want to engage Gen Z or we want to, you know, the newer generation who is pretty technologically literate. You know, some of those people that are not as comfortable with technology could benefit from having a relationship with those younger generations. So it also gives you an opportunity to say, hey, some of our younger members or some people that we wouldn't think of as an expert in the industry, they have other things that they can offer and other things that they can provide to other members. So it's another way to open up those connections and be able to give opportunities to different groups of people to coach, to mentor, or to volunteer their skills of where they are now to others that maybe don't have them yet. Yeah, I I literally just got chills when you said that because I feel like there have been so many opportunities in my career where there are opportunities where I learn from someone who's more senior, but also in, in my experiences managing other staff who were earlier career than I was, there were so many things I learned from people that were, like you said, maybe they were better with technology than I am. And they were like, oh, yeah, if you do X, Y, Z, it makes this work so much faster. Like maybe they show me like a quick trick in Excel or maybe they show me a quick thing for keeping track of my passwords or whatever that might be. And I think there's or they sh- actually I think some of the, <laughs> the examples that I've run into as more of a marketing person who maybe potentially had to give presentations like I've learned a lot of graphic design tips and tips for creating better presentations because the folks that were earlier career than me like have so much experience doing that and creating really beautiful PowerPoint presentations that I could never have dreamed of. So I think there are those opportunities for people to learn from each other, no matter what level of their career that they're in. And mentoring programs are a great opportunity to facilitate that. And for the association to back up that concept, right? Like to say, even if you haven't been in your career for a long time, you have something to share. You know something that could help someone else. And you might be an expert in doing something that other people aren't. And if you're willing to share that, people can learn from you. And I think that kind of ties that younger generation again into the association more than they might be otherwise. So I think that's really important. Yeah. I mean, again, it's we've talked about recognition throughout. So it's an easy way to pull in and recognize all different people. It's also a really great way to continue to build that community and sense of belonging because you're including everyone. You're kind of opening those doors and saying everyone has something to offer because that's one of a, a key driver of being part of an association, being part of a community is that the majority of the people that are in there they're lifetime learners. They want to continue to learn. They want to continue to get better, whether it's in their career in the industry or just with some of those other skills. My parents, we have this joke and it's very relevant here where I help them with their phone and their technology and they call me tech support. So sometimes they'll call me and I'll say, unfortunately, tech support is closed right now. But even thinking about that as an opportunity in your community or wherever it might be as like micro volunteer opportunities for other people that maybe again, Maybe they're not that far along in their career, but they can offer that technical support or some kind of soft skill support for others. And it can be a quick engagement. It could be, hey, can you help answer this one person's question? You know, that could be an opportunity. Could you help monitor or could you help welcome people in our community or help welcome people at our event? I was recently talking to a colleague and we were talking about, you know, think about that first time you went to a conference as someone that's new, you don't know anyone, you probably feel a little bit uncomfortable. And if you're not, I'm not 
I used to be, but I'm not like the most social person where I just can will walk up to a group and jump right in the conversation. Having that kind of introduction beforehand or someone to say, hey, like you should really meet these group of people or you should join this session or come with us to this restaurant. That's so valuable. And you can find volunteers, you can find people that are really eager to help build that community and help build that sense of belonging and want to include people to do those volunteer opportunities to be engaged in that way. And again, it can be a long-term kind of commitment or it could be that micro, really quick engagement that something just to get them more involved. And another example, I know that we're going to get to this, but another example of like a volunteer opportunity that's more micro is just have them, you know, say, follow us on social media. We'll give you a badge for doing it or, you know, just thank you. People will jump on those calls to action. And again, that's just getting them more engaged with you. They're engaging with you on, on another channel and you can kind of move them along a commitment curve or a volunteer curve where they are at a maybe a very basic level. And maybe you can get them to a place where they eventually will want to be one of the committees or will want to serve on your board. So there's a lot of opportunities to engage in volunteering, mentoring at all different levels and with all different commitments as well. Yeah, I love that you kind of led into that because like you said, I that was one of my <laughs> my questions that, again, we've naturally kind of run into of, you know, some of the challenges that associations face. I think one of the challenges is getting people involved in the volunteer program because, again, you might see those people who are really eager and then you might be like, oh, I have some other opportunities that people never volunteer for. So having that, like you said, the volunteer curve of saying, what volunteer opportunities do we offer and what levels of commitment are available so that it's not all like huge commitment level, like teaching a conference session where you have to be at this conference for three days and you're literally prepping a session. If you make sure you also have the smaller level commitments, like you said, of like maybe just following us on social media or, you know, sharing your pictures from a conference, for example, like that was something we used to try to ask people to do. Like if you have a picture, share your picture with a hashtag. And you might not think of those as your volunteer opportunities, but in essence, they kind of do serve that purpose. They're creating conversation around your association. They're getting people involved and making them feel like they belong. And so kind of thinking through, I think that trajectory or that volunteer curve, I think is helpful for associations in making sure they've got opportunities at every level. Yeah, opportunities at every level and also just ways for, I think about like the gamification that we talk about at Higher Logic and how we incorporate that into the volunteering and mentoring and just how people are engaging in that digital space on the platform. But also thinking about that when you're creating these opportunities is, you know, what do we get out of it and what did they get out of it? So, you know, even the simple micro opportunity of follow us on social media, what do we get out of it? We get more followers. We get a larger audience. What do they get out of it? You know, we share great content. Maybe, you know, there's other things that we have there that they could really benefit from for, or let's tie in that extrinsic motivation of if you do this, we'll give you points, we'll give you a badge, you know, you have an opportunity to be part of XYZ. So I think that every little to big thing, you can also think about what each audience is going to get out of it. What is the motivator? What's the value? And that's, I think, how you can really create a really successful volunteer mentoring program is just thinking about some of those needs that need to be met on technical and emotional levels for both your internal team and also your members. And and that's a win for both audiences. Yeah. And ultimately, that's the 
that's the goal, right? That's the goal for your volunteer and mentoring programs that it helps the association. But obviously, the big goal is that it's helping the members, which is awesome. Helping the members, helping the industry. I think that all of those different elements can be addressed through volunteer or mentoring programs. So, I mean, I think there's, there's so much value and there's so much opportunity. And we've talked about so many different, different strategies, different things to think about, but even just going back to the basics and thinking very simply, like today, where are we? What could we, what could we use some help with? What experts do we have or do we want to have that we could even just put a call for volunteers, a call for mentors? These are our needs of where we are right now. Let's see who's out there. And it's also, I mean, if acquisition of new members is a goal, reaching out to the larger industry and saying, hey, we offer this part of our membership, that could be a great way to get engaged people because it's something that might be missing from someone's career path or their professional needs. And if you can fill that need, that could be a great way to get a new member who could bring a lot of value to your organization. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I feel like we've covered a ton of stuff here about, we've covered a a broad swath of things. We've (laughs) talked about the technology and mentoring and volunteering programs in general. But before we wrap up, I wasn't sure if you had any examples of any particular associations you've seen really using technology to facilitate and enhance their programs or just any examples you feel like leaving people with? Yeah. I mean, I've worked with quite a few organizations that have great volunteer programs. And I obviously love HireLogic and have consulted on a lot. A lot of them are using our volunteer and mentor modules to help with the communications, help with the tracking of who wants to be a volunteer for what opportunity. I will say that's given them a lot of success. It's given them a pool of people that they can then pick through and reach out to for different needs. It's also given them the ability to almost have that. And this is obviously the goal of that wait list of volunteers that are ready to jump in. But right now, maybe you only have a certain amount of things that need to be done. So it's a great way. Successful programs that I've seen have just that call to action, being able to offer to the wider audience. They've been surprised with the results of how many people actually want to engage and want to help, where sometimes when you are just engaging or very manually doing that today, knowing who is out there that really wants to get involved can be a very small pool. So having a place where you can actually say, here's my volunteer pool, here's here are their skills, let's find the best volunteers. It can help form your program because you can kind of think about what you have and what you can do. And it can also just help engage people that you aren't aware of currently. So I would say that that's a great way to look at these programs and think about you know technology and how I've seen a lot of success is just, again, that visibility and finding a place where people can find all this, these different pieces of information, different ways they can engage with you. Yeah. I, I love that example because I know some of our volunteer opportunities, like the blog squad, again, as an example, there were only five spots. And so we always got people who applied. We got pe- more people applied for that particular opportunity than we could give out. And then we had to choose like who we thought were the best writers. But I would hate to like lose those other members that raised their hand and said, I'm interested in this. And it was hard for us to keep track of that because at the time, I actually think my former association has been a volunteer manager now, but at the time we didn't. And so keeping track of those people who raised their hands was like truly just like my knowledge of them being like, oh yeah, Jane Smith said she was interested in this. And now I have her written down on a little post-it note on my desk. Like if we have something else come up, I should reach out to Jane Smith. So having an 
actual like process to keep track of the hand raisers or the people who maybe you can't accept them for a specific volunteer opportunity right now, but you could reach out to them again later and say, hey, I know you you were interested in doing something with us and we have a new opportunity now. Would you be interested in this? I feel like that would be huge. And also like then you just know that you have 10, 15, 20, however many people, you know, they're sitting there. If you have a new opportunity, you can reach out to those folks first and you don't have to start from scratch. Yeah, absolutely. And something else that I'll call out about, you know, having a that centralized place to have that pool and to monitor the activity of your volunteers, that also gives you a place to go back to and do a review of what was done in the past year, two years, however long that program's been running. You know, a really successful uh, community that I helped manage at one point during their volunteer week, they would just go in and look at the data from the volunteer manager and see what those people did for their volunteer work, also what they were doing in the community, what they were doing maybe on some of their committees. And they're able to incorporate that into their recognition for them and also to kind of build that persona of what is an ideal member that's super engaged, that is a volunteer. So also using that as a way to build out those different personas of this is someone that's engaged, likely to renew. Here's what they were doing. And part of that is volunteer. So let's make sure that for our new members or people that are maybe disengaging, that we really push how great our volunteer program is, how great our mentor program is, and how much that has helped others. So that's another way that I've seen people be really successful is looking at all of the data, looking at you know what people are doing, looking at their volunteers and how they've contributed over time. It gives them something to be able to report on, whether that is to your membership or to your board. You're able to give them that information about what people are doing and the impact that they've had. That's awesome. I, I feel like we used to have a member appreciation month and sometimes we'd want to highlight members and it kind of came down to like what names people could remember. Yep. And I love that you actually brought up that example of really having the data because that way you just keep yourself aware and it doesn't and it's not reliant on staff being there for a long time. So if staff leave, it's not like you forget, oh yeah, so and so was a great volunteer because you still have that data and you can say these these folks have been super involved, let's recognize them or these folks are starting to get involved, let's recognize them too so that we reward them for that involvement and hopefully push them further up that engagement ladder so that they kind of do more and more things. So that's, I, I mean, I'm just a huge fan of having like data instead of just people's memories because my memory is not great. <laughs> I am right there with you. And I think again, you, you were speaking to it so nicely as that path or that journey. So it helps create what is that ideal journey over time, being able to use that data, being able to use all the different things that you offer and it gives an association something that they can say, here's what we do. And here's actually, you can actually see it in action because these people have gone through that journey. And you can really develop what that ideal journey looks like for your different members and how they're most likely to engage and actually then have data to say this, they actually did it. Or maybe we need to make tweaks in this journey to make it better and more engaging. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, Emily, I appreciate you coming on the show so much. This has been a great conversation about mentoring and volunteering. I think some associations are like super into their mentoring and volunteering programs and others. It's kind of an afterthought. So I hope listeners have been able to pick up some good tips from this episode. 
And I'm also really excited to remind folks, Emily will be teaching a session at Superforum on mentoring and volunteering that will go a bit more in depth into strategies. So I hope you'll join us. That's April 10th to 12th in National Harbor, Maryland. So you can go to superforum.hirelogic.com and register for that event if you're available. I'll include that. It's linked from our podcast page. And then also, if you want to check out, we have a path to renewal on mentoring and volunteering that collects a series of resources that HireLogic has created for your mentoring and volunteering program. So that will be available as well on our podcast page, which is HireLogic.com slash podcasts. So thank you again, Emily, for joining us. Of course. I'm happy to join. I'll join anytime. This is fun. 